Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. One. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Welcome Kirk Herbstreit is on the seven. phone. Here we are. Welcome to the Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday. November 29th, 2023, people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's having a great day. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see the funky background. That's right. I'm in a hotel room, Fayetteville, Arkansas. As I told you, I'm in town for the Duke-Arkansas game on Wednesday. I'll also be at UConn, Kansas on Friday. So I got myself a busy week. But at the same time, This show must go on, and there is so much to discuss here on a Wednesday Aaron Torres pod. We will open. College football playoff rankings are out. Final rankings before Sunday. We know we have the five conference championship games. I thought the committee sent two very interesting messages to all of the teams playing this week. From there, I'm in Fayetteville. So we got to talk a little Bobby Petrito, baby. That is right. Bobby Petrito on his motorcycle riding back into town. I'm here. I can tell you people are very excited about it. Uh, We'll take a quick break. We will switch gears to basketball. Kentucky. My goodness. I think this is the team Kentucky fans have been waiting for. We'll discuss that. Uh, And we'll wrap with a little bit of a preview of Duke Carolina, or uh, excuse me, Duke Arkansas, Tennessee Carolina on on Wednesday night. We got ourselves a jam-packed show. I have one little NBA take, too. This playing tournament is such a disaster. I will explain. I'll share all my thoughts. But with that said, busy show. I'm all over the place already. Let's get to the topic of the day. The topic of the day, listen, you don't need me to tell you, championship week in college football. Friday, we'll preview all the games. Uh, But Tuesday was the final ranking before the championship games on Saturday. The final ranking comes out, and I thought the committee actually sent two very important messages to uh, all of college football with how they rank the teams. Remember, we have a scenario where we could have five conference champions with one loss or are undefeated. And I think we're going to have as much question about the college football playoff and who deserves to be in and who doesn't as we've seen in quite some time. So what I want to do is I want to reveal the rankings. We'll quickly talk about what the committee wants, but I want to dive into the two things that I think the committee told you on Tuesday night. First of all, updated rankings. Number one, Georgia, that does not change. Surprise, surprise, Georgia beats Georgia Tech, et cetera. Number two, remember, Ohio State was number two. And so because of it, uh, they lose to Michigan 
You know they're going to fall. Well, they did. Georgia number one, Michigan number two, Washington stays at number three, Florida State moves up to number four, number five is Oregon, number six, that is where Ohio State is slotted in, number seven is Texas, number eight is Alabama, who of course only lost this season so far was to Texas at home. Number nine is Missouri, but listen, I'll be honest, the top eight is where you're going to get your four college football playoff teams. Uh, I don't know exactly what order it will be, but I, it's going to come from that top eight. And sometimes there's weird years where if this happens and that happens and this happens and that happens, some teams that we're not even talking about. No, it's going to be four of those eight teams. The question becomes what? Obviously, the scenarios, we've talked about them. I'm not going to get too much into them. But bottom line is the, the nightmare scenario for the college football playoff committee is essentially if Florida State wins and if Texas wins, that's really bad because then you have five one-loss or undefeated teams. I think you can argue if Texas and Florida State win and Alabama wins, that's actually the worst, worst case scenario because Florida State, they're all kind of different, right? Florida State really, in my opinion, is not one of the four best teams, but are you going to leave out an undefeated power conference champion? Texas doesn't have the resume that Alabama does, but they have the head-to-head win. So that is what you're looking at going into this weekend. Uh, And what I would say is the committee, and we talked about this a little bit on Sunday, but briefly, I'll just say the committee wants one of four things to happen to make their lives easier. Okay. The first one is if the top four win, they're all undefeated right now. I think it stays as is. So if Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and Florida state, those are the top four right now. If they all win, I think that makes the committee's job easier. Texas would at that point be number five. You'd feel bad for them. You'd say, man, that's a bummer. But you can very easily justify keeping Texas out when all four champions are undefeated. I think the number two scenario the committee is hoping for, that Florida State loses. If Florida State loses, they're 12-1, and but they're not a conference champion. You can boot them out, put the the Pac-12 champ, the Big Ten champ, the SEC champ, and of course, the Big 12 champ in that case would be Texas. Uh, I think the other scenario is you want Texas to lose. If Florida State wins, the best scenario for the committee is Texas to lose because, of course, Texas uh, would be a two-loss team. They wouldn't be a conference champion. They'd be out of the picture. So in a perfect world, one of those four things happens. The top four all win. They're all undefeated. Florida State loses or Texas loses. Now, look, if both Texas and Florida State lose, then that's when the Ohio States get back into the picture. Would a one-loss Georgia, a one-loss Washington-type team get in? Uh, but that's basically the, the the playoff committee where we are in a nutshell right now. And what I want to talk about quickly is essentially I did think that the committee told us two very important things on Tuesday night in terms of the rankings. The first thing that they told me, in my opinion, it's just my opinion, is I do think the slotting of Ohio State between uh, ahead of Texas and Alabama is very interesting to me, okay? And let me explain why. If you have followed these college football playoff rankings, you know that basically Texas and Alabama have been tied at the hip. They're both one-loss teams. Texas beat Alabama head-to-head. And so because of it, um, I I think what we see is that the committee all along has said Texas has the head-to-head win. Alabama's only losses to Texas. We can't put Alabama ahead of Texas. Why do I bring it up? I believe that the committee is basically telling you right now, if it comes down to a one-loss Texas, that is a 
Big 12 champion, and a one-loss Alabama that is the SEC champion, Texas is going to get in. You could sit here and say, Torres, that doesn't mean anything. What are you even talking about? They both still have a game to play. But what I'm here to tell you is I believe the committee has been telling you all along, we are not moving Alabama ahead of Texas if both of them went out. Both would have one loss, both would be conference champions, and Texas would have the head-to-head win. Now, I know what some Alabama fans would say justifiably. They'd say, well, wait a second now. We have the better resume. If we beat Georgia, we would have to jump Texas. Now, I'm not telling you what I think. I'm not telling you what I believe because I believe Alabama, if they beat Georgia, is definitely one of the four best teams. But at the same time, here's my argument to that. Alabama already has a better resume than Texas. Remember, Alabama beat Ole Miss, which is in the top 10. Alabama beat LSU, which is in the top 20. Uh, Alabama has some nice when they beat Tennessee. Like their resume is already better than Texas's. So if, if the head-to-head wasn't going to matter, then in my opinion, they would have already moved Alabama ahead of Texas. Now, again, maybe something weird happens. Maybe Texas wins on a weird, you know, block field goal. They win 17 to 13 and they don't look good. And maybe Alabama beats Georgia 30 to three and we reevaluate. But to me, I believe that the committee is telling you right now, we are not moving Texas. We're not moving Alabama ahead of Texas. The other thing that I thought we learned on Tuesday night, Oregon being at number five is very interesting to me. And Washington being at number three is very interesting to me. Oregon, of course, is the top one loss team in the rankings. And why it's interesting is if you actually look at Oregon's resume, it's not as good as some of those other teams. Their best win right now is Oregon State at home. Good win, but it's not Texas winning at Bama. It's not Bama beating Ole Miss. And I bring it up, I find it very interesting, is that if you even watched the the playoff selection show, Reese Davis, like, I know it's ESPN and he's trying to make a, a narrative, a story or whatever. But Reese Davis was kind of trying to press them on, well, wait a second now, Oregon's strength of schedule is this, Texas is that. Oregon barely beat Texas Tech, Texas killed Texas, Texas Tech. Should Texas be ahead of Oregon? Like, like ESPN's already trying to make keeping Oregon out if they win a thing. Why I think this is important. What the committee is telling you is Oregon, their only loss was a game that they easily could have won on the road at the number three team in the country. The fact that they remain ranked ahead of Ohio State with one loss, Texas with one loss, and Alabama with one loss, that to me says that the committee has decided Oregon, if they beat Washington, they are in. So we will see what happens. Now, again, there's there's the scenario. If it's an ugly game and everybody turns over everybody else and Oregon wins 10 to 7 and it's just sloppy and Alabama or Texas or whomever went, like there's always the wild scenarios, right? But I thought that that ranking to me made it very clear that if Oregon wins, they will move into the top four in Washington's play. So keep an eye on that. Two last thoughts before we get to Bobby Petrino. We'll come back, talk basketball. My first thought is one, I am curious about Florida State still because a, a couple of things stand out. One, I don't think anybody believes that Florida State is one of the four best teams in college football. I also think it's very hard to keep out an undefeated co- power conference champion. My thought on this, though, is as follows. The argument for putting Florida State in, even if they are not, even if they're not one of the four best teams, is you don't want to set the precedent of keeping out a one uh, an undefeated power conference champion. My question becomes, though, 
does the committee ultimately care about precedent in the final year of a college football playoff? So like, you know, it's like, I don't know, like, do you want to set the precedent of something right before you get married and then it doesn't matter anyway? It's like, you know, like, so that's a bad analogy. Forgive me. But I just, I, I wonder if the committee says, you know what, if we had 10 more years of the 14 playoff, we're not going to leave Florida state out because then it, then it opens up the door anytime we don't like an undefeated team that they can be left out. But because we're going to that 12 team playoff next year, because we're going to have five to six automatic bids for conference champions. I wonder if they wonder. Finally, last thing, let me say this style points are going to matter. And and if I was advising any of these guys, if Dan Lanning called me up, if Kalen DeBoer called me up, if Kirby smart, Nick Saban, Steve Sarkeesian called me up, I would say not only win, but win in as dominant and, and statement fashion as you can, because we can sit here and say, none of it matters. All of it matters. Remember, we live in a world where everybody's last opinion of you is the only thing that they remember, right? Like right now, everybody thinks Alabama stinks. Should have lost the Iron Bowl. They're not very good. Well, what are we going to say about them if they beat Georgia, as I said, 30 to three? And so I go back to that first year of the college football playoff. Remember, Ohio State was the sixth ranked team coming into the final weekend. They win the Big Ten championship game 59 to nothing. And from there, they ended up getting into the college football playoff and winning. So again, you could say style points don't matter, and maybe they won't matter. Maybe Texas will lose. Maybe Florida State will lose. But at the end of the day, if I was advising these coaches, win and win big, win convincingly, leave no doubt. We'll preview the games on Friday's show, uh, and it's going to be a great weekend. So excited about the college football playoff. Uh, But I do want to switch gears really quick because there was one other story in college football that we got to absolutely talk about. And how about your boy Torres? First time ever in the state of Arkansas. First time in Fayetteville. First time on the University of Arkansas campus. I land. I did tweet out that I landed in Arkansas. I technically landed in Kansas City. Whatever. Bordering state. Sue me. Flights were cheap. I bring it up because I landed in the Midwest to find out that at the time, Arkansas was, quote, vetting Bobby Petrino to be their next offensive coordinator. And by the time I got to Fayetteville, it was official. I saw a guy on a motorcycle driving right up past me, right? Just beat me around the highway. It was Bobby Petrino right on that motorcycle back to Arkansas. That is right. This is one of the craziest college sports stories that I think I've ever seen. Bobby Petrino was the head coach at Arkansas, their most successful run maybe in the entire SEC. I'm not enough of an uh, an Arkansas football historian. They got to the SEC in the early 90s. I think you can argue that Bobby Petrino's time there was as successful as anybody's. So I bring it up because he gets fired. We know why. He had a mistress. Da-da-da-da-da. He gets caught on the motorcycle. And now, what is it? 12 years later, it all comes full circle, and he is back as Arkansas's football coach. Just an insane story. So let's dive in. One, let me say this. I actually love that we're at this place in the in the history of college sports where we can just accept that college sports is what it is. It is essentially professionalized sports, you know, w- with dormitories. It's sp- professionalized sports with a chemistry building down the street. Like we can pretend that most of the best programs at the highest levels in football, men's basketball, I'm sure baseball, they want to win at all costs. Okay. And obviously, look, if a player, if a coach gets arrested, uh, you can't keep, right? Chris Beard had to be fired at Texas. But if your coach or one of your star players, is just doing something immorally wrong. Like 10 years ago, we had to pretend it was the biggest thing in the world. 
Like 10 years ago, we had to pretend, oh, Bobby Petrito is the worst person in the world for literally doing what a lot of other guys do. Now, I don't condone sleeping around on your wife, especially with one of your uh, subordinates in the building. That's not what I condone at all. But Bobby Petrino is not the worst person in the world because of infidelity. Hugh Freeze was not the worst person in the world for what he did. Rick Pitino was not the worst person in the world because Louisville paid Brian Bowen, the five-star recruit, okay? Will Wade's not the worst person in the world because he said I dropped, you know, strong ass off or whatever he said five, six years ago, Sean Miller, et cetera. And so there's varying degrees of who did what. But I love the fact that we're just at the point where it's like, dude, we're fans. We pay a lot of money. We just want to win. Who helps us win? And I have no problem with any of these guys coming back. I'm happy that St. John's basically just said, you know what? We're tired of losing. Go get Patino. He's in town. He wants to be there. I'm I'm excited that Auburn has a real football coach, even if Hugh Freeze doesn't have a perfect background. And I'm excited about what Bobby Petrino can do at Arkansas because I believe, I don't know if he's the perfect person for this job, but I believe he's the right person for this job at this moment in time. Arkansas was awful on offense, okay? They had no identity. Uh, Their best players are all leaving. And you needed to make a splash hire. And this indeed is a splash hire. And I think from the Arkansas perspective, and I think from the Bobby Petrino perspective, it's a perfect marriage. From the Bobby Petrino perspective, the one thing I can tell you, you talk to people even here in Fayette, Sam Pittman is a hands-off head coach. Sam Pittman is a, I'm paying you to do a job, go do it. So Bobby Petrino, there's all sorts of, you know, we know what the narrative was at Texas A&M. Was Jimbo Fisher really letting Bobby Petrino call plays or was Bobby Petrino calling Jimbo Fisher's playbook, even if he was technically the offensive coordinator and play caller? I bring it up because he at Arkansas here, I say here because I'm here. At Arkansas, they're going to let him do his job. They're not going to fight him. They're not, you know, if you're good enough, if you're putting up points, we're hands off. From the Arkansas perspective, I also think it's perfect too. Because the one thing I could tell you is, Coming into town, I didn't know what the narrative was going to be. It seems universal that everybody's happy that Bobby Petrino is back because I don't think 99, I don't want to say 99. I think there was a percentage of the fan base that found Bobby Petrino's decision-making reprehensible. Did cheat on his wife? I'm not trying to undersell that. But I think the vast majority of Arkansas fans were like, yeah, he cheated on his wife, but this guy's winning a ton of football games. And you got to remember, it's easy to forget this now. Remember, Bobby Petrino... His final year at Arkansas, he went 11-2 and as the head coach at Arkansas. 11-2, 2011. Their only losses were to LSU and Alabama, who played in the national championship game that year. And so I bring it up because of the fact that I don't think most Arkansas fans ever wanted Bobby Petrino gone. And because of it, I think that they're happy that they're going to be that he's back. Lastly, let me just say this. If I was Sam Pittman. I'd sort of be looking over my back because I'm not saying Bobby Petrino's coming back to get the job, but you start one and two, but that offense is humming. I wouldn't be surprised if Bobby Petrino, they just make him the head coach. So I'm not saying that that's what happens. You got to think though, in the back of his head though, Bobby Petrino's like, I could come back here and who knows? This guy's on the hot seat. He needs the offensive coordinator. My team's putting up points and my offense putting up points. Maybe, just maybe, I end up with this job full-time. Just something to think about. Uh, But Bobby Petrino back at Arkansas, I am so fired up. I think it's great for college sports that we're here, and I'm excited to see how it all goes down. 
All right, so what we're going to do, take a quick break. We'll come back. When we come back, college basketball. I'm in Fayetteville. We'll talk a little bit about Duke, Arkansas, but I want to start with the Kentucky-Miami game. Kentucky looking incredible. What does it mean? Also, we'll preview the Duke-Arkansas game, and we'll preview Tennessee-North Carolina. Also, one NBA take. Quick, quick break, and we'll be right back. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. Do want to go ahead and wrap uh, with a little bit of college hoops. Uh, as I mentioned, if you're watching on YouTube, I am in Arkansas, in Fayetteville, for the Arkansas-Duke game on Wednesday night. So excited for my first Bud Walton experience. 
So we'll preview that game momentarily. We'll preview Tennessee, North Carolina. I do have one little NBA thing I want to get to as well. But before we get there, we got to start with a very big result that came on Tuesday night at Rupp Arena. Kentucky Wildcats hosting the Miami Hurricanes. Um, and let me say this, like, like Kentucky, they've played one marquee game to this point in the year, played Kansas. I thought they were the better team for about 36, 37 minutes, couldn't quite close out that victory. And so Tuesday night, they hosted the 12th ranked Miami Hurricanes. I thought it was kind of an important game. I thought you really, like Kentucky the last couple of years, it feels like, especially early in the year, they're close, they're close, they're close, but they can't quite get over the hump in these big November, December games. And I thought at some point, you just got to win one to really boost the confidence and the excitement in the fan base. Well, I bring it up because boy, oh boy, did Kentucky make a statement on Tuesday night. They hosted the 12th rank or the eighth ranked Miami Hurricanes and Kentucky won final score 95 to 73. Incredibly, it was the second biggest win over a ranked team of the John Calipari era. And let me just say this, all the doubters, the talk of Kentucky, the talk of John Calipari's demise. Apparently it was all greatly exaggerated as Kentucky is really good. I think they're in that short conversation of best teams in college basketball. Not going to necessarily put them over Purdue or Arizona or whatever, but they are in that very, very, very short conversation. And this is a really good team. And when I look at this team, a couple things stand out. One, you know, listen, if you listen to this show, you know, I've really thought since summertime when we saw them play in Toronto, this team had a chance to be really good, but I didn't think they were going to be this good this early. And the one thing that stands out, listen, this isn't a unique take. Reed Shepard is the breakout star of college basketball this year. In a year where we were told, oh, there's not a lot of great freshmen and how good is the draft class? I, I Listen, I'm not going to do the NBA draft stuff right now. I hate when we start talking NBA draft in November. Let these kids be kids. But Reed Shepard as a college basketball player is unbelievable. Finished Tuesday night's game, again, against a ranked opponent, a team that went to the Final Four last year. Reed Shepard finishes the game with 21 points on five made threes. But this guy is just a stat sheet stuffer. I don't know if anybody plays fantasy college basketball. I, I know that I don't. But this has probably got to be like the number one pick in fantasy college basketball as he finishes with 21 points, five three-pointers made, and on top of that, five rebounds, four assists, and three steals for the freshman from the state of Kentucky. I I I'll just be honest. Listen, I could sit here in line and say, oh, I saw this coming. I saw this kid play in high school. I thought he was really good. Thought he was an athlete. Thought he was a good defender, jump passing lanes, good help defender, you know, good creator. I didn't see a guy coming into college basketball and in the first three weeks acting like he's been here for, he's a fifth year senior. He is really talented. Everybody else, you know, listen, the crazy part is not even everybody's clicking. In terms of Tuesday night, uh, Antonio Reeves was once again awesome. Fifth year senior, transferred in a year ago. He is certainly getting more comfortable as he finished the game with 18 points. Uh, Rob Dillingham, who is another just breakout star, 12 points, nine assists. He might be my favorite player to watch in college basketball. Just so quick, so shifty with the ball. I believe his Instagram handle is Rob with the shifts because he's got he's he's just so talented and fun to watch. But the crazy part about Kentucky, and again, you don't need me to tell you this. This is not the best version of what they are going to be. I continue to say it's absolutely unbelievable. The two highest rated freshmen in this class really haven't totally broken out. Justin Edwards, a wing, did have 11 points on Tuesday night. Um, he scored three double figures in three straight, so he's starting to figure things out. 
but we have yet to see the best version of this kid in college basketball. DJ Wagner left the game with an injury on Tuesday. We hope he's fine, blah, blah, blah. Had 28 points the other night, but he is just starting to figure things out. So you have a team right now that's what, 5-1, and 6-1, and one, just smacked a top 25 team at home. The crowd was incredible. Shout out to everybody who showed out at Rupp on Tuesday night. But the two highest ranked recruits in your class haven't even totally figured out college basketball yet. So you have that. And then you have the other thing that, that's obviously the elephant in the room. Kentucky still doesn't have any big men. Aaron Bradshaw, five-star, is coming back from injury. The reports are he should be back in the next week or two. Zvonavir Ivisic, seven-foot-two Croatian. We keep hearing he's going to get eligible soon, but we don't really know. Obviously, you got a Onyenso uh, Kingsley, another guy that's banged up. But there is like more iterations of this team to come. Now, I do think there's Kentucky fans that wonder, how do you reintegrate the big guys in? Does it take away from the spacing and the style of play? Listen, I think they'll figure it out. One, you do need big guys eventually to compete at the highest levels of college basketball, to compete in February, in March, into the NCAA tournament. But man, is this team fun to watch? They're so talented. They're so skilled. They play so fast offensively when they're clicking, they're scary. I mean, remember, they played uh, Marshall on Friday night. Dan D'Antoni, yes, the brother of Mark D'Antoni, was like, dude, this team's unbelievable. And so let me wrap by saying on Kentucky, one, I've watched everybody. I don't know that they're, you know, they're just so different than Purdue. Arizona's super athletic and they're a much more experienced team. UConn is big and athletic and experienced. We'll see them against Kansas on Friday. I will be there. Uh, Very blessed to be there. I'm not going to start saying, well, Kentucky's definitely better than them, but worse than them. It's like, I don't know. What I know, there's a small group of teams that I feel like could play with anybody in college basketball. And I do think Kentucky is one of them. Speed, athleticism, shooting. They would cause matchup problems for every single team in college basketball. So incredible win. And lastly, let's give credit where it's due, man. People were writing the obituaries on John Calipari. We were saying how bad he is. He's oh, you know, he's he's done. You know, he's the college basketball Jimbo Fisher. I never thought that was fair. What I do think is obvious is two things. One, and I don't know if I've ever said this, but I think COVID probably hurt Kentucky more than anybody. And I think it was a two, three-year process to get out of it because Calipari obviously relying on the high school recruits, right? It's one of those situations where when you can't go on the road for basically not, you know, 18 months for a year and a half and evaluate, it's really hard to figure out, okay, who's actually Kentucky good? Who's not good? Where are the evaluations? Like there were so many misevaluations in those 2020, 2021 classes. Jordan Hawkins, who's tearing up the NBA right now for UConn, was a fringe top 50 recruit. But Dan Hurley saw him early, offered early, got him in early. And, uh, you know, that was a kid that I think if he plays his full senior year in front of scouts and evaluators, he's a top 15 prospect. But with Kentucky, with John Calipari, I think not having those in-person evaluations really hurt him. So then he goes to the portal, he brings in Oscar Shibway, and you have to change up everything you do to accommodate a talent like Oscar Shibway. So it took him a year or two, but they figured it out. He's back to the freshman. Last thing, let me say this, because I'm passionate about this. I This proves my point that I said in the preseason. In the preseason, everyone's like, oh, you can't win with freshmen in college basketball in 2023. And I said, well, wait a second now. Alabama was the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament last year. Four of their top six scorers are freshmen. Um, Duke last year made a deep run in the NCAA tournament. Four of their top five scorers, I believe, five of the, I think it was four of the top six were freshmen. They didn't make a deep run in the tournament, but they won the ACC tournament. 
You can win in college basketball. Fresh, if your freshmen are good enough, Kentucky's are. Congrats to Wildcats fans. Your team is again awesome. Really quickly, I just want to preview some of the games on Wednesday night. And, uh, you know, listen, it's the late game, but I'll start with the one that I'm going to be at. Arkansas versus Duke. Duke is a four and a half point favorite in the uh, uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, excuse me. And uh, let me say this, is that, you know, one, being in town, it's interesting. Listen, Arkansas is not playing well right now. They're four and three. They took two losses in the Bahamas. It is interesting being on the ground here because one, the campus is as fired up as you would expect. Um, Campouts, people are fired up. Um, And I think there's, I see two different things being here. And what I always say on this show, right? Two things in life can be true at the same time, even if they seem counterintuitive. And those two things are this. I don't think anybody is happy with the start, but I think the Arkansas fan base trusts Eric Musselman to figure it out. And I'm not excusing it. Eric Musselman's not excusing it. You know, he basically said, listen, I'm breaking, I'm doing the film breakdown because I'm not happy with what we see on the court right now. Um, and so I, I think the the staff and the even the fan base, they sense the urgency of this game. But at the same time, being here, you also realize like, this 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 program and this this fan base inherently trust Coach Musk. They trust him to figure things out. They trust him to to get the best product on the floor, and they trust him to have this team peaking in March. Now, in terms of this game specifically, listen, I do like Arkansas to win, and I'm not trying to be a homer. And it's not because I'm here, and it's not because I'm going to see some some of these fans in the building. But I just look at this matchup. One, I'm not sold on Duke. I don't think Duke's that good, and I picked him to win the national championship. So this is not an anti-Duke thing, but I don't think Duke is that good. Okay. Um, you know, they're not super athletic. They're not super quick twitch. We, we talked about them after the Arizona state game, but also the Michigan state game, those sophomore guys haven't really developed. And you just don't see those dudes. Like, like you watch Kentucky, the athleticism jumps off the page of a Rob Dillingham, a Reed Shepard, a, a DJ wag. You watch UConn with Tristan Newton and Samson John, the athleticism jumps off the screen. You watch Duke. It's just, it's not really there. So I don't think they're athletically superior. I think the home crowd is absolutely going to be a factor. Give me the Hogs to win. I'll say 79-75. I think Arkansas gets the victory. In the early game, Tennessee at North Carolina. Interesting, North Carolina is a two-point favorite there, but I actually like Tennessee to win. And listen, Tennessee went one and two in Maui. And this is the gift and the curse of of going to these MTE tournaments, these multi-team events, is that you play in, in a Maui Invitational, somebody's got to go home with, with two losses, with three losses, with one loss, with whatever. And unfortunately, Tennessee was that team. But you look at them, who did they lose to? They lost to the number one team in the country, Purdue. When again, we talked about it last week, 48 total, fo- 48 foul shots for Purdue in that game. And then they lose the next day to Kansas in in, in a game where neither team wanted to come back with, with two losses. So I look at them, North Carolina. I know they took care of business in the second, uh, the third game of the the battle for Atlantis. I'm still not sold on, on on Hubert Davis though, and and I think you can argue by the way, they lost to Nova. They were much more much more competitive against Nova than Memphis was in the championship game. But in the end, I do think t- uh, North Carolina and Tennessee. I do think Tennessee gets the win as they go into Chapel Hill and get an outright victory. Really quickly before we go, because I've actually had a couple of you ask me about this. Can I do a random NBA take? I'm just going to really quick, forgive me. But this stood out to me while I was watching the Maui Invitational last week. The Maui Invitational 
is everything the NBA wants the in-season tournament to be and is it. And so I've had a few you say, Taurus, come on, go off on Adam Silver. I know you want to, King. Hey, King, go off on Adam Silver. And yes, I just referred to myself in the third person as King. But the point I'm trying to make is I saw something on social media on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, that the in-season tournament, the championship and semifinals, remember, they're in Vegas uh, sometime in December. Who cares? Nobody cares. They're giving away a special right now in Vegas. Buy one ticket, get three free to the semifinal. And let me just say this. Everyone says, oh, I don't like Adam Silver. I'm going to give Adam Silver credit for this. He has an incredible gift to turn all things good into absolute poo. Okay, I said it. I said it. I'm sorry. It's the truth, though. Adam Silver, you are terrible at your job. And it's interesting. I know this is a random rant, but but whatever. I host Fox Sports Radio. I was on air the Saturday night that they announced this. And I said, oh, this is going to be a disaster. I Because I assumed midseason tournament, okay, well, that's going to be a tournament. There's going to be 30 teams, everybody plays, and when you lose, you go home. And I was on air in June or July, I think it was July because it was during Summer League, when they announced the format. And it was like, okay, well, we have group play here, but some games aren't group play. And then you have this, and then you have groups, and da-da-da-da-da, and this and that. I was like, what does this mean? Just play a tournament. It's not that complicated. And so what has happened? Now we have an NBA regular season where you're in a situation where some games count towards the tournament. Some games don't. We don't know who the groups are. Like if you're an NBA fan, if you're a Dallas Mavericks fan, do you know who's in your group? Do you know who you're even competing against? Because it's not easy versus. It's just so confusing. And it's driving me crazy. And I'll probably do a longer rant on this at some point. This is one of the dumbest ideas I've ever seen. And it is a complete failure by Adam Silver. And what I said on social media and what I've said on Fox Sports Radio, I'll say right here. I can fix this all right now. Adam Silver, call me. I will give you free consulting for the first time. You want an event that resonates. You want an event to get people to pay attention to the NBA. I'm going to give it to you right here, right now. How about you make your in-season tournament an actual tournament? I'm sorry, I'm fired up. But I watched this thing. Nobody understands it. I was out to dinner with my family on Black Friday. It's like, oh, there's a red court. That's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Must be an in-teasing tournament game. But at the same time, why I bring it up is because it's simple. Get all 30 teams in Vegas, have a March Madness-style tournament, play games all day. Let you know If fans want to buy one ticket and come in at 10 a.m. and stay till 10 p.m., then you do that. You start games around 1 or 2 Eastern time, which is 10 or 11 Pacific time. Then you play till 1, 2 a.m. Eastern. And you just have games all day and you break them up and you spread them out. So teams aren't playing four games in five days. Play a tournament. It's that simple. Nobody cares about whatever this thing is right now, but you get a tournament, single elimination, Devin Booker versus LeBron on a Tuesday at 11 a.m. I'm figuring out a way to get in front of a TV, right? Um, Do it, by the way. Do it the week after Christmas, have Christmas Day lead into this tournament or maybe lead into Christmas Day. But why do bowl games work on December 27th, 28th, 29th? Everybody's at home. Nobody has anything to do. So now I can tune into an NBA game and I see, again, Devin Booker versus Tyrese Maxey or uh, whatever, uh, the Knicks versus the Bucks. I don't know, what, whatever it is. But that's all you got to do. Don't overcomplicate it. This isn't European soccer. Nobody understands the format. We're Americans. We're simple people. We like to gamble. We like to drink. We like brackets. We like simplicity. Adam Silver, 
this is a debacle. All right, I got to get out of here because I am in Arkansas and I got stuff to do today. So thank you for listening to today's Aerator Sports Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please make sure to do so. Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. Make sure to also rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Maybe back on Wednesday night. We'll see. I'm going to try to do some live reaction from Bud Walton, depending on how the game goes. If there's a, a court storming and I get trampled, it was fun knowing you. Otherwise, I plan on doing a, maybe a quick live reaction. But thank everybody for your support. I'll be back soon. Shout out to Torn Craig. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to Fayetteville. Great city. Bobby Petrino. He and I riding it on the motorcycle together. We're back, baby. Shout out JJ Reddick. Unblock me, bro. By the way, Pat McAfee unblocked uh, blocked me, too. Kind of a weird, soft move. I'll be back Wednesday, Friday, whatever. Aaron Torres. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.